Hey, this is John Legadakis of johnlegadakis.com and I want to thank you for joining me on this podcast. This podcast is a live recording of an interview I do each week with other internet marketers, personal development and business leaders where we talk about how we can better promote our products and services online, get more traffic and make more sales. I hope you get a lot out of today's recording. Hello and welcome to the podcast everyone. It's great to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us. Today I have a very special guest, Sharon Bolt. Welcome Sharon to the podcast. Hello John. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks Sharon. And and let me tell everyone, let me tell you all a bit about Sharon. So Sharon Bolt is a publicity expert and founder of Get Free Publicity Today. She has been a business owner and entrepreneur for over 16 years. Sharon's businesses have included complementary therapies and dog training, and during the last 10 years, she has contributed to more than 40 different local and national newspapers, magazines, television, and radio shows, and has received over $2 million in free publicity and free advertising. She's also the co-author of two highly acclaimed books called Successful Women in Business and Every Entrepreneur's Guide Running Your Own Business. Sharon was featured as a dog training expert in a BBC documentary and has had a regular slot on BBC Radio since 2008 where she answers the listeners' dog dilemmas to name just a few of her media accomplishments. So we're so grateful to, to have you here, Sharon, and to share some of the great insights of things that you've learned along the way, especially about getting free publicity. But before we go into that, and and actually I didn't mention this to you before, so I might be putting you on the spot here, but what I like to do, Sharon, I like our podcast listeners to learn a bit about our guests, like their background. So growing up, where, where where you're from, what your family life was like, just so we can get a feel for who Sharon Bolt is. So yeah, if if you'd like to share with us, Sharon, that'd be great. Yeah, that sounds great, John. Well, I'm, I was born in the UK, uh, in the south of England. Uh, that's why I grew up. I have an older brother, had a very happy childhood. I've always been positive and upbeat. My, my glass has always been half full rather than half empty. Uh, I've, I've always had a, a real in, enthusiasm and passion for life. I've been to Australia. I've worked in Australia for a year and I absolutely loved that. I've traveled extensively in the US. I've been to many places in Europe. I actually worked in Germany for a year because I wanted to learn another language. So I became Mm -hmm. fluent in German. And yeah, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah, lovely. And tell us a bit, a bit, a little bit about your parents and the influence that they had on your life. If any, like when it comes to maybe your how it helped shape your personality or your work ethic, for example? Yeah, it's a good question, actually, John. They they always believed in me. They always saw the best in me. So it enabled me to just have that platform to make my own decisions. That That's what I really loved about them. They didn't try to force me to go down any particular routes or journeys or pathways. They really left it to me and they trusted me to trust my own intuition and my own guidance in order to do what I wanted to do. So I've always been independent and self-assured in that way because I was led to believe I could trust in myself growing up. 
Mm, yeah, it sounds like a fantastic upbringing. Um, I think a, a lot of us can be a bit, well, I'm a bit envious anyway. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, my parents are fantastic, my family's great, but um, that, that's, that's fantastic. So tell us also, Sharon, was there anything in your journeys, I mean, I think that's a fantastic experience you had, getting to travel and working while you're traveling. Was there anything, any particular incidents that happened or experiences that you had in your travels that sort of led you to where you are today or is there any other people or books that have had a big impact on your life? I think the biggest impact that had on my life, John, is that I when I had, as I say, a very happy childhood. I did well. I had a, a good job. I worked in the the airline industry when when I come back from doing all my travelling, and because I wanted to learn my or, or practice my German speaking, and I went into the airline industry, and I was there for a number of years, and then I had a health issue, whereby I. It was like, well, they, they thought I had MS, multiple sclerosis, and I had a real problem walking. And I did actually have a, a walking stick, and, and it was very difficult for me to walk at one stage. And it actually led me to look for something else, something other than the, the normal conventional medicine, because I was told by the consultant to take antidepressants and epileptic tablets, of which I was neither. And I right. said I couldn't understand why I would need to do that. So I was I was looking for something else. And that's when I came into the natural remedies and the natural healing. And whereby I'd grown up and I was just looking for a good job and earning a regular income, suddenly I found myself as a business owner because I found something that I was passionate about, that I loved, and that's what I wanted to do. I jumped out of bed every morning, and that was my, my passion in life. So that was the biggest thing, was the, the health issue, which initially was sought, or thought to have been something that wasn't good, actually put me on a really good pathway. Mm. And I'm assuming the, the alternative remedies that you were researching and using helped with the condition that you had. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I, because when you experience it from the inside out and you see your own recovery happening in front of your eyes, of course, other people want to know what you're doing. So I got myself on the next courses. And so I started to do my own practice and I would, I built up my, my first business where I would in the evening, I would hold complimentary therapy parties where mm. I do demonstrations and talks about natural remedies and how we could heal ourselves and gradually uh, as I started to build up a clientele I went part-time in the airline industry and eventually I got to the stage where I thought right I'm just going to go for it and that was that was mm. it I never looked back yeah well good on you and you've also you, later on you began a dog training business as well. So tell us a bit about that, how that got started. Yeah, well, that was an interesting one, John, because I was in complementary therapies. I was having a, a wonderful time. I had been to India and had done a spiritual pil pilgrimage across India for, for nearly four weeks. And I came back flying, really, you know, so high and, and cleansed. And it was just, just wonderful. And I just wanted to get out there and and let people know more about about different things that they could do and how to get into business. 
And I initially thought what I was going to to really tell people about was the natural remedies. But what had happened was we had recently got two little puppies, Parson Russell Terrier puppies, two boys. They were eight weeks old at the time. And we brought them home, their litter mates, and we was looking to get them into socialization classes. And it was it was all full up. So I ended up speaking to about seven or eight different dog trainers. And when I explained about these two puppies, they said to me it was the worst case scenario and that they as they were blood related, they would do what they liked. And because they were two boys, they would likely fight for the top dog position and I'd need to rehome one. Mm, And I was devastated, John. I looked at these two little Mm -hmm. puppies and I said, said, you two are not going anywhere. And I was on a mission. So I wanted to find a way to communicate with them in a way that they understood. And I knew it couldn't be the conventional way because I'd been told by so many conventional dog trainers it was the worst case scenario. So that was what put me on to the dog training road in in order to keep my own two little puppies. And it was it that's what really changed me then into the next direction and the next pathway because obviously I'd I'd heard all about well, I saw what was going on with my own eyes, how well they were reacting and responding to me. So that's what, what happened to ease me into another profession. Oh, that's fascinating. Seriously, I, I think that's great, uh, what you shared there. And, and it's interesting to me, Sharon, what I find with successful business people like yourself is they don't sit down and think, oh, I want to find a way to make money. It's actually the opposite. They just stumble into businesses that just grow naturally from a need that they're willing to put in the effort to find a solution for, whether it's for themselves or for clients. Thank you for sharing how you, you got started in those two businesses. And so what you do today, Sharon, is that you, you still obviously um, help with the dog training. You do dog training, uh, radio spot, and, and, and possibly other things as well. But you focus on helping businesses to understand and get free publicity. Uh, I'm assuming you learned this naturally along the way as well while you're building up these two businesses. Is that correct? Yes. Well, what happened, John, is I it was really at the very early stages where I had these two puppies. I had the complementary therapy business. I was really enthralled about what was going on with the dog training. And at that time, on a national radio in the UK, they had uh, the, or the disc jockey or the DJ had said that he was wanting to get a dog trainer onto the show the following week. Hmm. So... Uh, somebody told me that and I thought well I'm having all this success I've I've seen this with my own eyes my my dogs are doing really well I'd started to do consultations with my complementary therapy clients and I thought you know what I can do that so I sat down and I wrote uh, an email to Mm -hmm. the the DJ and said said why things were happening, why dogs misbehave. It was all about what I could do for him and his show and what I could educate and entertain his audience with. So I didn't tell him anything about me. I knew he wasn't interested about me. Mm-hmm. He wanted to know what I could do for him and his audience. Yeah. So I sent this this email and I explained, you know, why dogs did what they did and he needed to get me on his show. 
Well, nothing happened. I got nothing, nothing uh, back from that email. So anyway, a couple of days later, he was saying on the show that he was also the following week going to include a section about overweight dogs. And in his words, he called them podgy dogs. Mm-hmm. So I thought, wow, I know all about nutrition for dogs. I know all about natural remedies for dogs. I can do that. So I sat down again, and in the subject line, I put, podgy dogs, I'm your girl. <laughs> and right. so so I then said about dog nutrition and how it can be helped with natural remedies. So I went on the whole spiel again in the subject that I knew that he was looking to feature yeah. And I'd said to him again, you need to get me on your show. Still nothing back. Right. At, on the weekend, I then was going, I actually did a consultation. And it was about a lady who had two boxer dogs and they had severe separation anxiety when she went to work. And they were literally eating the house from the inside out. They wow. were eating the carpet, the mm. cushions, the settee, the mattress. Everything was, was gone. So I went and I did this consultation. We swapped things around. So I came home and I sat down again and I sent another email explaining about the consultation and said to give me a call. I could share so much with our audience. Well, that was the weekend. On the Monday morning, I got a call from the researcher. And on the Wednesday, I was sitting in the studio on national radio being interviewed as a dog training expert answering dog training questions to 4 million listeners. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, yeah, so you've just got to go for it, haven't you? But the thing mm. to point out to, to the listeners, John, is that, that I was a startup. I didn't have a dog training website. Mm-hmm. I... I, I had a passion for it, yeah. and I saw an opportunity. I dared to call myself an ex- expert because yeah. I was seeing such such wonderful results. But I had probably been doing it, you know, it was months, not years. So I saw an opportunity, and I went for it. And I did then sort of change careers from from that time onwards. But I saw that that, and I just thought, right, I'm not going to wait for anybody else to call me an expert. I'm going to claim that spot, and I'm going to go for it. Yeah, I think there's a lot that we can all learn from that experience. Wow! And what was the effect of that interview that you went on air in front of four million people? What kind of impact did it have on your business? Did it have any? What the biggest impact it had, John, because as I say, I didn't have a I didn't have a website. I wasn't I wasn't really in the business of dog training. But what it did is gave me huge credibility. Mm. Suddenly, I, I was positioned as an expert. I'd been on national radio. Yes. And of course, when you're featured in the media, people naturally see you then as an expert, as an authority in your niche. You become a celebrity. There's a whole different thing when you're featured opposed to when you advertise. Yes. And people just assume that, that the radio station have have looked high and low to get the very best person and what I had done is I'd made their job very easy I knocked on their door continuously three times and said you've got to get me on your show I can really help you 
So that was the biggest thing is the credibility because then when I actually did any of my, my marketing and I actually went into the dog training full time, of course, I could, I could really splatter over the top of all my marketing as featured yes. on the Chris Evans show on BBC Radio 2, which was, is so well known in the UK that people stopped and took notice. And I think even, even more compelling too is if when you're in the studio, take a photo of yourself sitting in the chair in front of the microphone with the host, with, their, with the, uh, the station radio station sign in the background. There's no disputing that. Absolutely. And that's a really good point, John, because it is something that I say to people, you know, if you get in that studio, do take a photo. And it, and even now, when I first started doing it over, well, this was, say, 10 years ago, it, of course, there wasn't all the things about Twitter and, and Facebook and everything. But today it is so, so natural that, that hosts will have their photo taken with you. But I did. And as you rightly said, I, I did take my camera and I got a photo because I knew that that would be invaluable for me to place on my website. Mm. And and what advice do you give Sharon today? So for business owners, whether they're startups or they're, they're having a business and they want to get more exposure, what advice do you give them about getting free media attention? Is there any particular strategy? Does it depend on the industry or yeah? what do you say to business owners out there? Yeah, the number one thing that that business owners need to do is to find out where their audience, so their target market, where they hang out. So what do they listen to? What do they read? And what do they watch? Because that's really going to be where you need to then focus on. So say there was a particular publication and you knew that this was full of your target market. You're going to now look for the appropriate journalist that writes in that particular section of the newspaper that you'd like to be featured in. Then what I say to people is to start building a relationship with the journalist. This is, this is a real key part here, John, is that we need to build relationships with journalists. This isn't a case of just, just giving them something and, and, or, or really sort of like sending out a pitch or a press release to 100 different journalists and hopefully somebody will pick it up. This is about building relationships mm. because when we build relationships, that's when people are going to start to take notice. So it's not an overnight thing to do. But what I suggest, one of the best ways that we can do this is to find the name of that particular journalist. And you can find that easily in the publication. You know, they say who writes different articles. Yeah. Sometimes it's in the front. Sometimes it's in the back. Sometimes it's on the article itself. So it's easy to find out who the journalist is and then start to look for them on, on social media. So a lot of journalists hang out on Twitter. That is really the number one place. They are on LinkedIn as well, but not really quite so active. That's really about showing their credentials to other potential employers and things like that. But on Twitter, they are very active. So their tweets, their articles and things like that. So to start building a relationship, you follow them and you start making nice complimentary comments about an article or what they're doing, a retweet, things like that. And now you're going to start building that relationship. So they start to know your name. 
so that when you do send them a pitch or a press release, then they already know of you. And then that's much more effective. Yeah, that's really good advice. And one of the, another piece of advice you could give us is maybe what, what do you do if you're trying that? So you realize, hey, there's a lot of great free press I can get if I build a relationship and, you, and you're trying to build relationships or you're contacting, let's say you've targeted a particular journalist because you, there's a particular publication that you want to appear in and you're trying. So you're, you're following them on Twitter, you may be sending them uh, emails later on. W- what happens if, they, if they're not responding? Do you have any advice? Yeah, if they're not responding, it's potentially because the story ideas that you're coming up with is either not relevant to them or their publication or their audience. So this is why it's really good to study. It's like a very nice type of stalking, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's like you really get to know them. So you're getting to know which articles, what type of articles they like. Are they writing opinion type articles where people in the first person will be saying, saying their opinion on something? Is it those types of articles? Or do they like articles such as how to do something? So educational type articles. So you get inside their head by by really watching and studying them as to what type of information and articles that they are they are actually sending out, because that's usually what it is, is that it you're either not relevant to them or it's not getting their attention. Mm -hmm. So it could be that your headline is too weak. And if I can give you a few little tips on headlines, John, shall I just give a yeah, few tips be on that? Yes, please. Yeah, the the headlines it's it's crucial because obviously if the headline's not good, then they're not gonna open your email to start with. And regularly journalists will will, will receive something like over a hundred emails a day. So you've got to really get their attention, otherwise they won't even bother looking at it. So the thing to do in the email is to, number one, put either press release or story idea so they know straight away this is potentially something for them. Because although they are inundated with offers, they still need people to be coming up with some really good story ideas for them. So that at the very beginning of the headline is really good so you're putting either press release or pitch or story idea and and so that they get that straight away and then you follow it with a synopsis of what it is so this isn't a time to get clever or use any jargon or anything like that this has got to be understandable so the way to do this is if a six or seven year old child understands what you're saying from that headline then you've got it right because this is somebody that knows nothing about your business potentially nothing about your industry so you've got to get a summary of that in the headline So, for example, if you were, say, a heating engineer, you might come up with something like uh, three little known ways to save on heating bills. Mm -hmm, Or if, for example, you were a health and diet expert, it could be something like lose weight fast with this rare spice. So it's got to be something tempting and enticing. 
so it could be the headline but another part of it is as well john if they if you're not hearing back is you do need to follow up because they're busy so they may have seen it and then something else has happened or they've had a deadline to to get to so i usually leave it about two or three days and then I follow up again with a, an email at the top saying, just just wondering if you've had chance to look at the story idea and if that's of interest to you. Something like that, something polite. Mm-hmm. And I do follow up two or three times. And if you haven't heard anything by then, it, you can more or less know that they're not interested. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. And you've got a free report on your website, and I'll I'll mention it. It's getfreepublicitytoday.com. So if you if anyone was to go there right now, you can actually get a, a free report from Sharon on how to write an attention grabbing press release that creates win win situations with the media. Uh, so again, you can download that right now. I want to say, uh, Sharon, thank you so much for what you share with us today because it's really valuable stuff. I mean. The, like you said, like we mentioned at the beginning, over the years you've had like $2 million worth of free publicity and you've established yourself as an expert and authority. And, and so that's how just how powerful what these strategies are you're talking about. And really, it doesn't really take a lot of time to do. It just It's just thinking outside the box or thinking cleverly and, and working smart. Really appreciate you sharing this with us, Sharon. Is there any final thoughts that you have for our listeners, Sharon? And I would say just go for it. I mean, don't wait for somebody else to say that you're good enough or, or yes, you should be able to do it. And if you see an opportunity, you've got to go for it because, you know, they come and they go quite quickly. And there's nothing worse than opening that, that magazine or that paper or listening to a, a podcast show or a radio show or watching a TV program and you see your competitor there thinking, do you know what? I could have done that myself. I, I know more than this person. If yeah. only I'd have gone for it. So what I say is, is believe in yourself and just go for it. Yeah, it's great advice. And, and something that came to my mind as well, just in closing, is that this applies to really any niche, like any industry. I think some people out there might be thinking, well, maybe it works for Sharon because she's got exciting things like natural therapies and alternative therapies and dog training. But really, I mean, you gave some good examples of like the heating one. That might, like a heating engineer might not sound very exciting, but you can come up with exciting press releases. So really, it doesn't matter what business you're in, I'm sure. Would you agree, Sharon, that you can apply this strategy? Absolutely. I mean, another one, you know, outside the box is say, for example, you're a home removal company. You could have a five step checklist that ensures a stress free house move every time. I mean, who wouldn't want a stress free house move? And you're an expert in that field by being a home removal company. It's across the board. It is any niche and any business and to get PR especially if it's in 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 a niche that is is quite focused how fantastic to establish yourself as the go-to person in that really specific niche I mean that is so valuable fantastic Uh, again thank you so much Sharon for being with us today and sharing these insights with us and also I want to thank everyone for being here and listening today also It's been a pleasure, John. I've really enjoyed it and thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you got a lot out of it. 
as a way of saying thank you for being a loyal listener, I've got a very special gift for you. You can get immediate access to my online business coaching program for free. These step-by-step videos will show you how to set up your website, create an automated sales funnel, and also how to drive targeted traffic to your business for literally pennies per click. It's ready for you to access right now. Simply head on over to johnslikes.com forward slash podcast. This is John Lagodaka signing off. I'll see you all next time.